Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 15 of the podcast. I'm your host, Ali, and I invite you all to sit inside for a while. I want to thank you all for coming back to the show, and I want to thank you for your ongoing support. As always, if there's questions or topics you would like me to address in the podcast, feel free to reach out to me via social media, or you can reach out to me via email as well. And also, remember to always share the episodes that helps the podcast grow. Today, we'll be talking about the topic of happiness. And joining us today is a fellow colleague, Raneem Nagib, who is a student counselor all the way from Dubai, who is working at the Canadian University in Dubai. Raneem, can you please introduce yourself? Hello, I'm Raneem. As Ali mentioned, I'm a student counselor at the Canadian University, Dubai. I graduated with my undergrad in psychology from DePaul University and my master's in counseling psychology from the Chicago School of Professional Psychology. I am now in Dubai and I've been working with the university for about two years now. Thank you, Ali, for featuring me on your podcast, especially for this topic. I'm excited. While it's a fun one, it's also something we all strive for and try to figure out. Raneem, thank you so much for coming on the show. And like I said earlier, we'll be talking about the topic of happiness. So we'll look into what makes us happy. We'll talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Why does the happiness fade away? As well as look into some solutions to obstacles that we face in our pursuit of happiness. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please have a seat and I hope you enjoy the show. So the reason we're talking about happiness is because it's an important part of everyone's life. It's something that we're constantly trying to pursue or reach. And for some of us, there are different opinions or different understandings or different beliefs about what happiness should be, what it should look like, what it should feel like. And it's important to figure out how we can understand it. Raneem, what do you think? I agree. Many people, including professionals in this field, have always tried to find the secret to happiness because there are so many misconceptions of what happiness is. So we first need to define it based on what we think it is. Generally, happiness is a state of well-being, a level of life satisfaction, and how optimistic we are about the future or if we have hope for our future. It's not getting everything we want or hopping to the next best thing. And that can be easy to do now, uh, especially since we live in a world of immediate gratification. So it's important to remind ourselves that happiness is a journey, not a destination. And it takes a lot of work and skill and resilience. Absolutely. And for different people, we derive happiness from different things. For some people, it's the materialistic things, such as having a car, uh, clothes, houses, money. And that can be seen as achievements and things that I work towards and when I achieve I feel that sense of happiness or reward. For others it could be the family, the friends, the partners or spouses that we have around us. It could be having kids and kind of having that part of your life be a source of your identity or the experiences that we have, whether it's the gatherings, good times that we have, positive memories that we accumulate, big milestones in our lives that we look forward to and when we achieve them we feel that sense of happiness. And even deeper, going into just the understanding of the self, you know, who we are as people, our identities, our values and goals. And sometimes if we aren't attuned with who we are, that can create a lot of internal conflict. 
Yes, I totally agree. All of those things give us happiness, some more than the others, some are temporary, while others are long-lasting. I think the most important one is friends and family. Forming social connections is extremely important uh, for our growth and happiness. We're humans, so we're social creatures, and we need to form and maintain social connections. Social interactions are not enough. We need to feel strong bonds with one another in which we make ourselves feel vulnerable and able to trust. I've heard some people say that they would be happy if they just moved away to a cabin in the mountains, but that's not true. It's, it's like the movie Into the Wild, which is based on a true story. The main character went off to live in the mountains in Alaska and assumed he would be happy. But then he realized he needed people because that's how we were made, to be part of communities, whether big or small, and to feel like as if we're part of something. It's very true, very true. And like I was saying earlier, if we don't feel aligned with who we want to be, achieving the things that we set out to do, or being in the relationships that we want to be in, we go through this internal conflict which can just, you know, create a lot of mental health issues or create a lot of stress for ourselves and we don't feel like we're living authentically and i think a lot of us we derive our values or, or who we are or the milestones that we ought to be achieving from society around us and that can sometimes be very misleading what do you think yeah that's true we do feel pressure to fulfill standards that are set by our families communities or by society based on how we should live and what to do with our lives and by meeting these expectations and gaining approval, we assume we would be happy. However, sometimes these expectations don't align with who we are, and we end up still feeling unfulfilled or unhappy. For example, uh, someone can major in a subject that they're not interested in, or be on a career path that they're not passionate about, or be in a relationship that doesn't bring them joy, but it checks out the boxes of what society claims should give them happiness. And it doesn't, and it leads to mental health issues like you've mentioned. Because it's like cognitive dissonance, you're living a life and it doesn't match your own beliefs or it isn't aligned with your values. So what you're presenting doesn't match what you feel. And it's hard for us to deal with this contradiction because when our beliefs don't go along with our actions, there's no harmony. And we feel discomfort and confusion because we need to feel true to ourselves. Yes, and sometimes it's the basic needs that give people that sense of happiness. It doesn't come from extravagant things. It doesn't come from where you would think it would come from. For some people, it's just the fact of having water, uh, having food, having shelter, having a car that goes from point A to point B. And it doesn't derive from that wealth or quantity over quality, essentially. So for a lot of people, happiness is relative to the way they measure it. If I'm living by the values that I set for myself, not really letting other people's values influence my own or, or feeling like I'm absorbing other people's values and then making them my own or adopting them as my own. So happiness is just reliant on our immediate priorities. So for someone who is maybe starting out their life uh, or a career, happiness derives from the goals they set for themselves. So graduating, finding a good career that they're happy in and just kind of making progress in that part of their life. For other people uh, further along in life, it's other things, maybe establishing a better understanding of their identity or establishing healthy relationships that uh, withstand the test of time. And 
those are things that we can look at as sources of happiness. Right. I like that you mentioned making progress. Moving forward and improving ourselves contributes to our well-being. It's how we show we have hope and an optimistic mindset. We don't want to be stagnant. I know some people think that if they don't have to work and they can stay home, they would be happy. However, you're just as happy at rest as you are while you're at work. So working towards a goal that's relevant to what you're going through in life or your current circumstances helps you feel as if you're reaching your potential and becoming a better version of yourself. It also gives you a sense of control over your life. We can't stop life from happening or guarantee we won't go through negative experiences, but we have control over what we do after and how we carry on. And this helps us from feeling helpless because we answer and act on the question of, can I make it better? Yeah, and sometimes it's the fact that we work so much to achieve that happiness. And let's say I'm working to achieve financial security and feel like I'm comfortable in my life. But it's when we try to have more that it can sometimes be counterproductive and almost have that diminishing return where I'm working so much to make so much money but in the process i'm really just draining my life in terms of stress that's affecting my mental health my physical health and it really becomes counterproductive where i'm working so hard to achieve something but on the other hand it's taken away from me yes of course i think that's where we need to find a balance and for everybody it's different while it's important to strive for more sometimes we can end up running in a hamster's wheel because while we're so fixated on chasing happiness, we don't realize it was there all along. Happiness happens when we're busy making other plans. While we're focusing on getting our dream job or a promotion um, or a new car, we forget what we already have and that's happiness. And it, most of the time it's right under our nose. Also, getting all of this is only temporary. You can get your dream job and then realize you hate your boss. What are you going to do then? So trying to be happy isn't getting what we want or collecting things or reaching milestones, but realizing that the things you currently have that you most likely have taken for granted while you were trying to get more. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And a part of it is just learning to appreciate the things that we do have and really recognizing, well, if I didn't have this today, what would my life be like? You know, and it could be the simplest of things. I mean, imagine if your internet went out today. That's something that we take for granted and we rely on so heavily. But imagine if your internet went out today. What would that be like? What kind of inconvenience would your life experience? Well, currently I am, and I'm sure a majority of people are highly dependent on the internet and Wi-Fi. So it'd be definitely, it would definitely be a shock if that was cut. It would derail many things for me. It would impact my work, my relationships with my family uh, and my friends, my source of entertainment. So yes, I have a newfound appreciation for Wi-Fi and I realized that the most when it wasn't available. It's often things that we take for granted that are just a part of our everyday life are things that really make a big impact on our life and without them it can be a great source of distress right so little things like if i get in my car today and i turn the ignition and the car turns on i do that several times a week all year round and 
the data card doesn't turn on is the day that one positive thing in my life turns into a negative thing. But I never really look at it as a positive thing because it just, I expect it to be there. And for a lot of people, it's the thing that really goes missing that is going to impact you. So for people of different socioeconomic statuses, that's different, right? If it's someone that's living in poverty and really struggling to make it through, electricity going out or not having access to transportation, not having access to food, those are things that would impact their life quite a bit. And for someone else who is in a different socioeconomic status, different things can cause different strife or stress. So it's very relative to the person and you know their needs at the moment, which is kind of segueing into the next point of the Maslow hierarchy of needs, originally thought out by Abraham Maslow in 1943. And he saw that our needs tend to fall into different levels that kind of build on one another. So basic needs to more secondary tertiary and just beyond that. The first one being the physiological needs, things like water, food, shelter, just the most basic of needs. And then beyond that being our safety needs. So security, health, having resources such as income, and beyond that being love and belonging. So having friends, family, intimate relationships, connection, having a sense of community, and beyond that being esteem having a sense of self-esteem, self-worth, respect, freedom, or a status. And lastly, being the stage of self-actualization. So being the most we can be, reaching our full potential, having that personal growth and that autonomy to make decisions for ourselves and decisions that really mirror who we want to be. Yes, you explained that perfectly. And it was especially put into perspective during the COVID-19 outbreak in which we had to shift our priorities and focus on our basic physiological and safety needs within a matter of days. It pretty much took a global pandemic for us to realize what we truly need and to appreciate everything else we took for granted. Mm-hmm. Raneem, I don't know how it was for you in Dubai, but uh, here stateside, when things were really starting out in March, the biggest priority for a lot of people was just having the basics. And that was toilet paper hand sanitizer and food. (laughs) So I think, you know, looking back on that and today, you know, we're just starting August, we made a pretty big jump since then. So our priorities have changed quite a bit because we've come to adapt to the situation. You know, we've moved on from that physiological and safety need to the more tertiary and needs beyond that, having that connection, you know, People were very fatigued from work, fatigued from the quarantining, and they wanted to reach out more. So once we were able to establish those first and second levels of needs, we were wanting to go to the next step, move on to the next level. Yes, that was a learning experience for sure. And we've kind of adapted to this way of life and we're slowly making our way up the pyramid. Now, we didn't have the same issue with toilet paper, but... In the beginning, finding hand sanitizer was a mission, at least for me. We had a two-week lockdown, so people were only allowed to leave their homes to go to the grocery store or hospital with a permit, and then we also had curfews. But it happened so gradually and in steps that people were able to adjust and prepare. And knowing this would ultimately slow down the spread of the virus helped us get through it all because it reduced the fear of not knowing. 
people out here were used to going out, gathering, and being with families, it was a tough and comparable to the feeling of grief because we, we, you know, we lost that part of our life. Especially that it happened during Ramadan and Eid when it's a time for Muslims to get together. So the pandemic challenged social relationships. People had to depend more on technology and social media outlets to remain connected. We had to find other ways to do things. I've noticed people have become more tech savvy. Students had to become better acquainted with their student portals and emails and online learning. For me, a lot of communications needed to be done through writing. So I noticed my writing skills improving. While counseling couldn't be done in person, that's where Zoom came in and telecounseling came in. I realized that I was connected to people more during this time. I, I know it's a bit ironic. Um, I was making more outgoing calls and receiving more calls. So we just needed to switch up the way we did things than how we used to. We weren't necessarily social distancing. We were physical distancing. So at times where we couldn't, let's say, shake hands or give hugs, having eye contact through a video call was comforting. Yes, it's very true. We have come to almost adapt to the situation to make sure that our needs do get met in some form of way or another. And it's just, it's a natural thing for humans to move on from one level to the next, whether we're in a crisis or we're not. And sometimes things just happen in life and it does throw off our balance. It does throw off our routines and just how we're used to doing things. But we do find a way to adapt and move on which kind of leads to our next point so when we aren't happy where does the happiness go why can't we stay happy and it kind of comes down to that concept of happiness is it supposed to be a continuous thing or is it intermittent and do our expectations really affect if we're happy or not is it what our expectations are that can sometimes lead us to be unhappy. Yeah, someone can go through a negative experience and decide that they're unhappy, but negative experiences are inevitable. Our happiness depends on how we react and what we do afterwards. Each bad experience comes with a silver lining, like a lesson learned or a new perspective or people you've met along the way or a quality you learned about yourself or gained. Finding the meaning of what had happened helps uh, because understanding its impact on you allows you to learn from it so that you're better equipped to handle it next time or even prevent it in the future. Also, as humans, we can be drawn to negativity. We're impacted more by complaints instead of compliments. So instead of focusing on the good aspects of our life, we end up focusing on what we're lacking or what isn't going so well and then we stop there but that's our chance to reflect because that's the first step realizing that something's not right and needs tuning is how we can make these adjustments to bring us closer to happiness it's sometimes hard to think about happiness as this state of being rather than something i am like uh, when someone says oh are you happy and they kind of ask that question in a general sense of am i always happy well, no, because like you said, things happen in life that upset you, make you frustrated, make you sad, make you angry. And we're obviously not going to be happy all the time. Happiness is kind of like this, like a train and there's different carts in it. And some of the carts are happiness, some of the carts are sadness. We go through different emotions, so we can't be happy all the time. 
but I think sometimes happiness can be more of an internal thing, like kind of like we were talking earlier, just feelings of content with life, not in a complacency kind of way, but more of like a, I'm happy with what I have, I'm happy with my life is, if I really look at it in a big picture point of view, rather than, well, I'm not really doing this right now, so I'm not happy. So sometimes our happiness and our perception of how happy we are can be pretty skewed. I totally agree. I think the reason it can be skewed is because we end up comparing. We compare uh, to feelings of happiness we had in the past and want to relive, or we compare ourselves with other people. And now with the popularity of social media and advancement in technology, we see more of people's lives and it becomes easy for us to compare ourselves to them. But most people are sharing their highlights and their best moments, so then we end up comparing our low points to someone else's high points and try to live up to an inaccurate image. And then we do it and we're not happy because we're not actually doing something that makes us happy or aligned with our ideal self, but we think it will. And in the process, we may have spent money we didn't have because we're on a race with someone else rather than with ourselves. If we're behaving in a way that doesn't match our true wants and needs, we end up feeling unhappy because we're contradicting ourselves. Yeah, and again, with social media being a big source of influence on where our happiness should be or what it should look like, that can just be a huge misrepresentation of someone else's life. And we take that as face value and really make it a reality or a truth. And we compare that to our life. And I might feel well, like, this person's always happy and I'm sometimes happy. Is that something wrong with me? And it can be a very damaging feeling, both to our self-esteem, our self-worth, and just our mood in general. We can feel really down. Yeah, and it can also lead you to doing those things and pretending you're happy. And then that's that makes it even worse because you're pretending to be something you're not. And... Know, that's just gonna over amplify your unhappiness absolutely very true so why does the happiness fade away and i think we can all experience this with something in our life that we were very happy about we were excited about and then when we got it and we've had it for a while we kind of get used to it so examples could be like if you got a car a new car or a new phone or a new job you did something for the first time, you're in a new relationship, and as time progressed, you kind of got less excited about them. Like the sheen or the novelty of that experience or that experience of having something new started to become less and less exciting for you as time passed. And that's actually called hedonic adaptation, where as humans, we kind of find ourselves returning to a baseline after a certain period of time, either from a positive experience or a negative experience. And even further, it's called anhedonia, which is just a loss of interest or, you know, feeling like I can't enjoy the things that I used to enjoy. I have an inability to feel pleasure in things. And that's just over a period of time where we lose that interest. We get used to things that are a part of our life and we start to take them for granted. And as we do that more and more often, we start to lose sight of what is truly good in our life. Yes, we end up reaching a threshold and the next thing we want needs to be bigger or better than what we previously had in order for us to pass through the threshold. 
it's like an addiction. So many studies regarding happiness have been done uh, with lottery winners because people assume money equals happiness. However, around six months after they won the lottery, they're unhappier than they were before they won the lottery. So that goes to show money doesn't buy happiness. And going along with what you said, after you win the lottery, what's the next big thing you can look forward to? A huge amount of money came in all at once, then the initial happiness fades because they've grown accustomed to it. I get asked this question a lot from clients and when I ask, well, what makes you happy? And they say that they really don't know. Like, I'm unsure of what makes me happy. I'm unsure of what I can do that makes me happy. And sometimes I really say, well, let's let's figure that out. Because if, again, we talked about this earlier, if I'm internalizing or adapting other people's sources of happiness as my own, I might feel really ingenuine about that. And I might feel like it's not really making me happy. I'm just trying to do things for the sake of doing them so I can feel happy, but I'm not really feeling like it's my own. So how do we really reach that source or that direction? Because with the lottery winning example, that's a lot of happiness at once, but really no direction to take it in. If I don't know what I want to do or what I like to do, and I just give a lot of resources, start throwing it at different things to see what makes me happy. But sometimes those things don't make me happy like I thought they would. Right. I like that you mentioned that when they won the lottery, they still don't have a sense of direction because what somebody wants usually falls in the categories of self-acceptance, being happy with who they are or healthy relationships, whether it's with their spouse, family members, you know, or their friends or having a sense of purpose. I think having a sense of purpose is important. You know, what their mission is in life, kind of growing as a person and not being stagnant and contributing to either society or your family or yourself and having a sense of autonomy and agency for your own decisions. I think that really helps people with finding happiness and it's more lasting happiness rather than just fleeting happiness because they've gotten something that they wanted. Also these align with self-actualization where they feel that they're becoming best version of themselves and reaching their full potential yeah and we wouldn't know what that is if we don't have a good understanding of our values right and that's kind of where i start with clients i say well if you don't know what you want or what makes you happy let's start with values like what do you value what's important to you and let's start there and if we don't feel like we're living by the values that are important to us then we come back to that feeling of inauthenticity that i was talking about earlier that feeling of well, I'm not who I want to be, or I'm not reaching the goals I want to reach. I look around me in life and I don't feel like any of it belongs to me, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes sense. And again, I think people don't necessarily realize the importance of being true to yourself and doing what you want and that true happiness. At the end of the day, you have to sleep and wake up to your own decisions. And if you're not happy with these decisions, then you won't be happy generally because they're not your decisions it's not what you truly want and let's say you're looking for somebody's approval you may get that person's approval that might not be what you truly value and maybe if it is something you somewhat value it goes against who you are so it's it is going to cause some problem there absolutely so what can get in the way of our 
authenticity or kind of like you said being aligned with that value could it be mental health issues substance use issues uh, things that really throw us off our values if you know I'm struggling with mental health like anxiety depression or trauma my motivation is going to be different my energy is going to be different what I think is important to me is going to be different I might lose interest in things that I want to do or enjoy doing because the anxiety or depression or the trauma are so powerful that they take away from that or if I'm abusing substances then I might be getting myself further away from those values because I'm um, because I'm behaving in a way that isn't aligning with my values so you know those things can have a huge impact on our perception of happiness right individuals that are experiencing all of that definitely have more obstacles to get past in order to be happy and while they may go into therapy to manage their depression and anxiety and heal through the trauma they're also in therapy to find happiness they go hand in hand they're the same but they're also different someone looking for happiness is a bit more optimistic or further along on their happiness train than someone who wants to overcome their depression. Finding happiness starts with managing negative emotions and overcoming challenges. It's important for us to understand our pain and stress in order to look forward to the future and make healthy changes. People managing their depression have to work even harder to find the silver lining in their situation and reframe their life experiences to foster an optimistic mindset and eventually become happier. They have to understand and work through their trauma first before they jump into finding happiness. And that can look like taking things out of your life that make your anxiety worse, like distancing yourself from someone that doesn't bring out the best in you, or makes you feel bad about yourself or drains you, or learning how to handle a panic attack when it happens, that way you can be in control of what to do, or understanding how the trauma you've been through impacted you and your decisions, and what to change moving forward so that it doesn't hold you back or have you repeating unhealthy cycles. A lot of times we find ourselves in the same negative situation over and over again because we haven't found the root cause, made a change and found the meaning or lesson learned to break the chain. So in a lot of ways it's how do I become healthy rather than happy? Happy being a subcategory of healthiness. Yes, yeah, so that's a great way to put it. I mean, I think it's not just physically healthy, but mentally healthy. And, you know, being mentally healthy, it's not just being healthy, but what steps are you taking to be healthy? What are you doing to, you know, take care of your mindset? Other obstacles that get in the way is that feeling of guilt. Well, I don't deserve to be happy because maybe other people have it worse than me. What doesn't really help? You being unhappy or not letting yourself feel happy or deserve that happiness doesn't make them any happier. It's a lot like a paradox where, you know, we're just kind of feeding into the unhappiness. And feeling bad for feeling happy just isn't fair. We can counteract that by just practicing gratitude. So so we've been talking about this a lot, just that appreciation of things that we are really used to or take for granted. Yes, gratitude is one of the most important 
steps to take if you want to find happiness um, because sometimes we don't realize all the good things that we have in our life that we may take for granted. So let's say we start our day with three things that we're thankful for, that we're grateful for, and it sets the tone for our day. And it's not only just saying, well, I'm grateful for my family, I'm grateful for my health. It's, you know, you have to be specific. Well, which family member are you grateful for? Why are you thankful for this person? What feelings does this family member make you feel? What value do they add to your life? And that really helps. And also appreciate the little and mundane activities that we take for granted. Maybe driving to work and playing the music that we like or the morning coffee or taking a walk. I think sometimes we, we forget how beneficial these activities are to us. You know, immersing ourselves in nature. Usually like taking a walk is great. It's tough to do that out here because it's usually hot. So we have to find alternatives, whether it's, you know, growing a home garden or sitting on the balcony, or maybe if we can't take a walk outside, find a mall to take a walk in and just find alternatives for them. I mean, everybody can find something or some things in their life that they're grateful for. And it helps to constantly remind yourself of these things. And this period of time that we've been living since March has been a really good example of that concept of just gratitude being grateful for things that we took for granted for a long time and now that we are almost having to think about them twice before doing them or trying to figure out alternatives to doing them it really gives us a different appreciation of those things but even beyond that just if someone is struggling with anxiety and depression their outlook on life may be a lot different where it might be a, a more negative focus on things in life and that gratitude can help us see those positive things that, that the mental illness isn't allowing us to see. So practicing that gratitude and looking at the positives can have a really strong impact on us. Or if someone is in their early recovery from substances, that's typically a very difficult transition for them. And it might feel like, well, life isn't as exciting as it used to be, or I'm really struggling with just being happy. Well. The focus on the positives of life and the day-to-day -day things that we're grateful for can have a huge impact on that positivity. Right, right. And even finding something negative that has happened to you and trying to see what was the good that came out of it, what were some positive things that came out of it, how have you grown from this? I mean, at the end, something bad happened to you and you came out the other side. So that is something to be grateful for rather than saying like, well, this bad thing happened to me. It's just bad thing after bad thing. It's important to remind yourself like, well, this wasn't a bad thing that happened to me. This is something I overcame. And the idea is you don't have to do this alone either. You can seek help from your therapist or find someone that can help talk things out with you because sometimes we can get almost stuck in our own head in the sense that we don't see outside of our own thoughts and it can be a really hard thing to think outside of. So when we have a second opinion or someone that can almost be like a sounding board for us and give us different ideas, help us think twice about the thoughts that we're having that may not be true or accurate, that can be really helpful. But a therapist can help you facilitate that process and really have a better understanding of what am I trying to do with my life that can allow me to be happier and reach that potential that I've been trying to reach. Right, so therapists have the clinical experience and the training to help people work through these issues. You know, sometimes people won't need a therapist, but what's 
great about a therapist is you can say things out loud without judgment and when you say things out loud the therapist helps you organize your thoughts get rid of the clutter and sometimes when you say things out loud you understand them better you end up having like some sort of epiphany and then when the therapist the therapist helps you work through it what can you do differently how you can move forward how you can turn this into a positive thing, how you can reframe what happens to you. They give you some advice and tips and they have also an outside perspective, so it helps because sometimes if you're talking to a friend or a family member, they're most likely going to be biased. So it's that objective third party point of view that can be really um, helpful. Yes. Okay, so what are some other ways that we can build happiness? So practicing kindness is one of my favorite ways. It's a bit underrated, but it's also a common characteristic of happy people. It's like altruism, which is a defense mechanism, and it pretty much means engaging in acts of kindness and helping out others in order to relieve your pain. Now this needs to be done in limits because it's not healthy to be too selfless. An example would be if an individual who has struggled with substance abuse gives advice and support to somebody that is currently struggling with substance abuse and that helps you feel better because it puts you in a position to help and you're strengthening your social bonds which you need it's emotionally rewarding and you can do that by imagining that person was you at an earlier or more difficult time in your life and think about how you would have felt if someone had lent you a helping hand while you're helping someone else, you're actually helping yourself. You can also imagine someone as a person you care deeply about and see how you would go about treating them. And of course, it's going to be you know, more positive. It's very true that when we do something for someone else that makes them happy, we kind of feel good about that. It's a good feeling of accomplishment. Like I did something for someone else and that person felt happy or I impacted their life in a positive way. And that kind of creates a sequence of events that allow me to be happy because I'm finding meaning, I'm finding direction. I'm doing things that I feel make me happy. Yeah, that also improves your connections to people and your social interactions and it gives you a sense of purpose, it gives you meaning, it's something you're contributing to society and it's going to make you just feel better and that you are carrying value. So another way to find happiness or reach happiness or maintain happiness is to also find meaning in your life and when you find the meaning and you connect the dots in what had happened in your life or your circumstances or your experiences you're able to find the silver lining you're you're able to find your calling you kind of know why you are the way you are and you understand yourself a lot more because if you just kind of let life go by and you don't find meaning in it and you're just there and you're stagnant and you think things are random or everything's a coincidence, you feel like you're not special. You feel like you don't necessarily have a purpose. You don't have a sense of control in your life. So when you find this meaning in your life and you connect the dots, you're able to just understand who you are and then that leads you to doing you know, what truly makes you happy. Because if you just sit at rest and not do anything and just sit by as life passes you by, you're going to be unhappy because you're going to feel like you have no control and you know, in that your life is meaningless and it's random and it's a coincidence and that's not the case. And I also feel like that 
meaning can be very grounding. If we go through life not really understanding what we want to do, it almost feels like we're just floating and not really feeling like we have any kind of footing in the world. You know, we're just not feeling grounded. So that meaning, that direction, that uh, purpose can be a really, really powerful tool for us to feel like, well, I'm on progress to do something in my life that I really believe in or I feel like it's um, going to take me somewhere. Right. I think that's a great way to put it. If we're feeling like we're floating, we're definitely not going to be happy because, yeah, we definitely do need a sense of footing and we need to be grounded. So another way to build happiness is to savor the moment. So kind of live in the present moment and just enjoy it for what it's worth. It's kind of like mindfulness. So you're just focusing on what's in front of you and the situation at hand. So let's say you're eating and the food tastes good. Just you know, savor the food, appreciate it. Um, you can also reflect on happy memories. So, so one way you can reflect on happy memories is that you know, take pictures of the things that have meaning for you. Let's say you go on a walk and you see beautiful flowers, or you know, you see birds chirping. Take a picture, and that way later you can like look back on these memories, and you know, it will give you a sense of happiness because it will take you back to that moment. And other thing is, you know, with savoring these moments, you're not necessarily chasing happiness or you're not chasing these moments, but you're just finding these moments and what's currently uh, happening to you. Because a lot of people want to find happiness and most of the time it's right in front of you. It's maybe people in front of you or feelings that are in front of you or opportunities that are in front of you, but you're so busy looking at something else that you don't appreciate what you already have. And, you know, chasing happiness can sometimes become counterintuitive because you end up ignoring what's already in front of you and then you feel worse. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, we tend to be the ones that stand out of our own way of happiness sometimes, you know, especially with savoring the moment. You know, that's a very grounding concept. If we're in our head, if we're thinking about what's missing, like say I'm out at dinner with friends and I'm only really thinking about, well, what's missing from this moment? What can make it more perfect? What can make it better? And I really focus on those things. What kind of what's really missing as opposed to what's there. I kind of like that half full, half empty glass perspective. If I'm looking at, well, this is a really good moment to be in. I'm enjoying it. And just being very mindful of the moment enjoying it enjoying what you're doing enjoying the people around you and just really being immersed into it because for a lot of us we can go through positive experiences and then kind of come out of them really thinking well that was fun but I didn't really enjoy it because well maybe we were too much into our heads during the time we were thinking about something else we weren't really letting ourselves feel happy in a way in that, you know, we were looking for something else the entire time. Like, I want to remember that I experienced something as opposed to just remembering what happened. Right. I've noticed that spontaneous activities are usually a lot more fun because you don't have these expectations of what it should be like. It just happens. So you take whatever is given to you. Absolutely. I think also some people may not be happy because they feel like they're not fulfilling standards or 
reaching their goals. So some people might not be happy because they're not at a specific standard they set for themselves or society has set for them. Some people have already started in their career and they're still a bit behind or some people have started families and you know and they still haven't been able to do so. Optimism as well helps with happiness because when you look forward to the future, you have something to live for, something to work for, something to look forward to. So happy people are usually excited about the future. So with optimism, people can ask themselves, what would you want your biography to sound like? And what are you doing today to help you reach that story? And this starts out as very exciting and they imagine what life they want to lead and what steps they can take and they start taking these steps and it's common to lose a little bit of motivation and not be as excited so that's why it's important to do this every two weeks to make sure that you are doing something to help you reach your ideal self or what you would like to be in 5, 10, 15 years from now. And you know it's so interesting that you said having something to look forward to and just relating it to the time that we live in now or you know if you've been working from home a long time or you know you've been quarantining at home for a long time well the one thing i hear from my clients a lot is i feel like my days are blurring it feels like the day is just another day of the week and tomorrow feels like today today feels like yesterday and i don't really know what's happening at this time and the one thing i always keep saying is we have to find something to look forward to you know that sense of optimism and even more of a concrete idea is have something that you are looking forward to this week it doesn't have to be anything significant it could be something as small as well i'm gonna try a different kind of tea this week or i'm gonna reach out to this person this week something that almost creates like a marker throughout your day or week that you look forward to and when we're going through those tough times where we're really stressed out that's like um a light at the end of the tunnel that I can look forward to and really just feel like, well, this is going to make me feel better down the road. Yeah, I can relate with days becoming a blur and not knowing what time it is. So when that does happen, it's important to start having some type of schedule where from this time to that time, I'm going to be doing work or I'm going to be studying and then reward yourself and you know say like okay well once i finish this i will have this snack or i'll watch this tv show so yeah like you said so while it's important to have something to look forward to in the future i think it should be immediate as well to help you keep going yeah again if we're able to point to something that's coming up later in the week we're able to tolerate stressful times better as well as make our days more distinctive from the remainder of the week. So like we talked about earlier, self-care can be a very important part of our life because we carry a lot of stress throughout the day, throughout the week, and we have to have some kind of outlet to relieve that stress and that frustration that we might experience. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we come to the end of episode 16. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, if there's topics and questions that you would like me to address on the podcast, please reach out to me via email or social media. Also, please make sure you're following and subscribed to the podcast. That way we don't miss any new episodes. 
And also don't forget to share as it helps the podcast grow. Also, thank you, Renee, for coming on the show. I appreciate your time and all the valuable insight that you bring with you. Thank you again for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Ali. I enjoyed my time and hope this was as insightful and enjoyable for those listening as much as it was for me. And I'll leave off with saying happiness is the pursuit of adventure. It's about living in the moment and enjoying the journey rather than reaching a destination. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And I hope to see you in future episodes as well. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed the show and I'll see you next time.